0: Here we go, football 24/7 with NFL insider John McMullen. The NFL trade deadline has officially come, and it is now gone, Johnny Mac. But there was a trade. The
1: Eagles snuck one in before the 4 p.m. deadline. A blockbuster, Kelsey Fletcher. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> Carry Vincent Jr. Who? That's Who? the Eagles' latest cornerback. Cornerback. Number eight uh, on the 53-man roster, by the way. Uh, nine, if you want to count Craig James, who's on the practice squad. So another young corner for the Eagles. Uh,
0: okay. Uh, a trade to make a trade. What did they –
1: what, what what did they give up? A draft pick in next year's draft? Yeah, six-round pick in the 2022 draft. So the Eagles have two six-round picks as we speak right now. One comes from the Bucs through the Jets um, in the Joe Placo trade. The other uh, is from Indianapolis. So it's the worst of the two six-round picks. So essentially it's going to be the Colts pick. Um, that goes back to uh, the Denver Broncos for Kerry Benson Jr. uh, from LSU in the same secondary, the Eagle-strap to Jacoby Stevens from LSU in the sixth round this year, who played safety at LSU. They shifted him to a linebacker. Um, He's on the practice squad. So, um, yeah, I mean, he can run. He was on the... LSU track team, Um, so he's a sub-4-4 guy. Um, You know, how he likes to do something at the trade deadline, and this is what he did. Well, completes his in-season
0: trading efforts that started with Zach Ertz, moved on to uh, moving Joe Flacco, um, and now this uh, final trade, at the wire, at the buzzer. Are we any better off
1: than before they all started? Uh, we're always better off with Kerry Benson Jr. No, I can't. I mean, look, if you like a player, yeah, uh, you take a shot at them. Uh, people value sixth and seventh round pick. People value draft picks more than they really should. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Eagles have a lot of young corners now. Uh, they picked up Tay Gowan, uh, another young corner who was a six-round pick this year in the Zach Ertz trade. So they need to start thinking about the future at that position. You know, even though Darius Slay has been one of the strengths of the team to this point. Darius Slay has played great. Uh, Steve Nelson has played better than expected. Uh, Avante Maddox is having his best season. Uh, Slay is really expensive, though. He's getting older. Um, Steve Nelson's a free agent. He's probably not going to be here next year. Avante Maddox is a free agent. Now, the Eagles want him back. They'll most likely get him back, uh, but he's going to be a lot more expensive moving forward. So you got to start thinking about that, that depth. And, you know, they have Zach McPherson, who was a fourth-round pick this year, the Eagles' own. Uh, Mac McCain they picked up on waivers uh, from Denver. And now you have the two recent pickups. So a lot of young corners. And, you know, I always call it, you know, the more darts you have to throw at the dartboard, maybe one of them hits the bullseye.
0: Johnny, was there any um, uh, chance that – a deal was going to be made today for Fletcher Cox or Andre Dillard. I know there, we've had some conversation here on football 24 seven, not so much about, uh, about how serious or, uh, or opportunistic somebody was going to be to try and grab Fletcher, but Dillard, we thought was a possibility for conversation. What do you know? Any, was there any real dialogue <laughs> about either player?
1: Yeah, there was real dialogue about both. I think it was more likely, surprisingly to me, that the Eagles were, I don't want to say trying to move Bletcher Cox, but they were very, very open to it. Um, And that surprised me more of the fact that the Eagles would, would incur a big dead money charge uh, if they move Fletcher Cox because of what they've done with his contract over the years. Um, and they've already been through the big dead money hit with Carson Wentz. I didn't think they would do that, but it looks like they were willing uh, to to take that medicine. Uh, if some team offered up similar to what uh, um, Denver got for Bond Miller The problem there is, if you look at the Bond-Miller deal, Denver got that deal done because they were willing to kick in most of the money of Bond-Miller's remaining salary. And they essentially bought a second-round pick and a third-round pick. The Eagles wanted to get rid of Fletcher Cox, but, you know, they paid almost his entire salary this year in a, in a contract uh, tweak a few weeks ago when they restructured this deal. Um, they would have had to take on 25 million in dead cap space. They were willing to do it, uh, but only if they could get a real, real premium deal and nobody was interested in, going down that road. Probably Las Vegas was the most notable and and wanted Fletcher, but it was just not going to happen. And for Andre Dillard, Eagles didn't want to really give him up yeah. um, after he came in and played pretty well when he was forced into it. Remember, they have some uncertainty from Lane Johnson's standpoint. And You know, when Andre was thrown into the deep end of the pool due to the injury to Jordan Mailata first, and then it became Lane Johnson's uh, anxiety and depression issues, played pretty well. And unless the Eagles were getting a day-two pick, they weren't even going to consider moving Andre Dillard.
0: You know, I guess it really doesn't matter if Fletcher is happy – or not right now um, because he's a Philadelphia Eagle. You know, I said to Xander, I was, you know, when the network coverage started from Ford Field on Sunday, there was a tight shot of the sideline. Sirianni was walking around getting players pumped up for the game and he comes around into that second layer and boom Fletcher standing right there and no hi-fi, no nothing, boom, look and then peel around Fletcher. Now I'm not saying there was anything there. I just kind of wonder now if it really matters. Perhaps it really doesn't. I just don't know. I, I, I you know, I don't know why Fletcher's numbers are what they are. Um, But I may never know. We may never know the real story.
1: Um, Well, we do know that (laughs) Fletcher's not particularly happy with the scheme that Jonathan Gannon is running. He was very happy with the scheme that Jim Swartz ran for five years. That's basically all it comes down to. Um, It's a veteran player who has had a lot of success in a previous scheme. It happens all the time. Um, in this league. You have a new coaching staff come in, veteran player, again, who's won a Super Bowl. I think Fletcher's had uh, five. He was five for five in Pro Bowl bursts over that Doug Peterson, Jim Swartz span, uh, was all pro two or three times over that span. A um, lot of success. Um, three playoff appearances. Um, so you start to think yourself, well, I've done it. I, I played at a high level. So why don't you play me the way I, I played before. It's almost natural. And that's why you, why you make coaching changes when you make coaching changes. I think people don't realize it means a lot more than just inserting, replacing that piece and saying, Oh, we're going to replace the coaching staff, and that's not going to affect the players, the veteran players under from the previous regime, the ones who had success. That's why a lot of times you got to move on. You got to turn the page from those veteran players. Because they're not going to buy into the new system because they had success in the old system. I think that's where we are with Butcher Cox. It's probably going to move on, but now it's just probably going to be in the offseason.
0: Football 24-7 with NFL insider John McMullen here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, all presented by Stateside Vodka. Uh, Johnny uh, Mack, coordinator day today, did conversation from uh, from the coordinators?
1: Yeah, it was uh, coordinator day, and obviously it's coming off a big win. Um, So a little bit more, you know, people a little more pep in their step, so to speak, but in the case of Jonathan Gannon, he's always got a pep in his step. That's just a, a real high-energy guy. I think, you know, there was a lot of talk about the Chargers because, again, that Lions game, I kind of talked yesterday about the show, a bit of an outlier. I think the Eagles realize it as well. But for many reasons, because the Chargers are such a big part of Nick Sirianni's uh, uh, history, that's really where he started to become a, a coach on the on the quick path to being a head coach in this league. Uh, Shane Steichen, who was the offensive coordinator there last year with Justin Herbert as a rookie, and, and Herbert, obviously, the rookie of the year. Um, and then Jonathan Gannon. Jonathan Gannon has been friends with Brandon Staley, Close friends uh, dating back to when they were 10 years old in the Cleveland area. Um, They grew up together. They played AAU basketball together. Uh, Jonathan is the godfather uh, of Brandon's third child. Uh, They were in each other's weddings. So there is a lot of connection between the Chargers and and the high-profile Eagles coaches, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator?
0: Well, the game on Sunday, Johnny Mack, which means they've already turned the page on that outlier uh, in Detroit, the the game on Sunday will be very different. It will be a much better um, gunslinger uh, than the Eagles had to defend against Jared Goff.
1: Yeah, no no doubt about it. And that's why I I think Shane Steichen is uh, really important this week, not only for his typical role, but, you know, the defensive coaches are all stopping by and asking him, you know, what does Justin Herbert like to do? What is he comfortable doing? What did you have him to get him rolling? And it's a nice um, sort of, advantage to have because maybe nobody knows Justin Herbert uh, as well, at least on the professional level, as Shane Steichen because even even the coaching staff now, which is new with Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi, um, they haven't been with Herbert as long as Steichen who got a full season with him. Um, So he knows what he likes to do. He knows what he's comfortable doing and the Eagles are hopeful that that might give them a little bit of an advantage uh, when they're facing a really, really talented quarterback. Justin Herbert is going to be a really good quarterback in this league for a really long time. John, what, what makes him, what do you like
0: most about him? When you watch him play, what, what puts him in your mind, in that conversation already,
1: and he, as they say in this league, he can sling the football. I mean, mm-hmm. he is six foot six. He he can throw. He can make every throw um, anywhere uh, on the field. And when you talk about arm strength, you know, Nick Seriani describes it when it comes to quarterbacks. He looks for four things. He looks for accuracy, number one, decision making, number two, uh, and then comes off schedule offense and 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 also arm strength. Justin Herbert's got all four uh, at a high level. Uh, even though you don't think of him, he's not a running quarterback, but he can still move. He's he's athletic enough when you think about the Aaron Rodgers types of the world who can just move and manipulate the pocket. Um, And for a, a second year player um, he's way ahead of the curve. He's not Mm -hmm. going, he's not every young quarterback has, has a learning curve and he's still in that learning curve. He struggled a little bit over the last two weeks, but long-term, I don't know anybody in this league that doesn't think Justin Herbert's going to be a superstar and he is going to be a superstar.
0: Well, good stuff from John McMullen, the Eagles and the go back to work uh, tomorrow. uh, They'll insert the game plan uh, for Sunday. That begins uh, tomorrow. What will the offensive game plan be John uh, when they go back to, Uh, When they go back to practice, everybody now is going to expect the football team to run
1: the football. (laughs) Well, they always want that. Um, But this is a week where they should continue to run the football, even without Miles Sanders again, because the Chargers are the worst team in the NFL defending the run. Now, the problem is when you talk about 45-16, which is what it was in Detroit, that's not going to happen because you don't have the other part of the equation. Detroit wasn't capable of scoring points. Right. The Chargers are capable of scoring points, and they are going to score some points. So you can't just run the football. All of a sudden, we talk about the Eagles all the time. The Eagles are a team that needs to play with the lead, needs to play with the lead. So it comes down Jody McDonald and I have talked about this on Birds 365. This is another game. If you win the coin toss, if you win the coin toss, you shouldn't defer. You should take the football and try to get a lead and play from where you're comfortable. Uh, because the worst thing that could happen is you win it, you defer like teams typically do, the Chargers get the football, they go right down the field and score. You're already behind the eight ball. You're already thinking about um, Jalen Hurts throwing the football, trying to match Justin Herbert. If you're going to do that, you're going to lose this football game, period. End of sentence. He can't match him from a pass-for-pass standpoint. Unfortunately, when Nick Sirianni gets behind, he has not shown the discipline to stick with the running game. So if you're behind 7-0, you are behind 7 nothing, you do not have to give up on the running game. It's when you get behind by two scores. Now, he he hasn't shown the discipline to do it with one score, never mind two scores. So I think the key is the Eagles need to get an early lead. They have to play with the lead, and then they could use that running game.
0: How far down in the game, John, do you anticipate the Eagles falling behind in this
1: contest? Are they, well, you know? I, I'm, the, the, I mean, that's why I say they should, If and you have to win the coin toss, obviously, but you're probably going to get the football, when you look at it from this standpoint, If the Chargers win the toss, they're probably going to defer. So you're going to get the football first anyway. Now, the problem is, if the Eagles win the coin toss, they will probably defer. They should go into this game knowing that they're going to get the football first. Because Nick Sirianni, if he wins the toss, should take the football. If the Chargers win the toss, they're going to defer. So you're going to get the football. I want to get the lead. If I'm the Eagles Um, and I want that opportunity to have the football first, in theory, they should have that opportunity, no matter what. Um, I'm not sure they'll take it. That's the problem. If they do get behind by two scores, the game's probably over. I'm going to be honest and I'm talking 10, nothing game's probably over because he is not until I see him show the discipline to not go away from the running game. I I can only assume he's going to go away from the running game. And if it turns into a passing game, and I have, and, and if you're being honest and you're saying, well, the other side has Justin Herbert and you have Jalen hurts, you know, who's winning that, you know, who's winning that. And if you don't, you're wearing the Eagles glasses. I had
0: those on yesterday. I took them off when the show ended. Uh, Johnny Mack, let me ask you about uh, uh, uh on the defensive side of the football. Will Jonathan Gannon, because of the quarterback he's facing on Sunday, will he revert back to – playing the scheme that he's used against some of the other
1: good quarterbacks that he's faced so far? Well, that's a concern. That's the concern. Um, but he is young, you know, he's not, he doesn't have the experience of of Tom Brady, obviously you do. Um, so, you should, there should be a, a happy medium um, similar to the offensive side of the ball. Look, he's going to play some cover two because Her- Herbert is capable of getting the football down the field. So, you're going to see some cover two. What you don't want is 85% cover two. You want to mix it in with some different looks, uh, some pressure looks, um, and see if you can get a young, quarterback off his stride the baltimore ravens were able to do that a couple weeks ago um and you know maybe jonathan gannon should be looking at that game and trying to figure out okay what did baltimore do uh to get justin herbert off his stride and try to duplicate that a little bit understanding you know They don't have the linebackers Baltimore does. They don't have the ability to rush the passer up uh, from uh, a blitz standpoint that Baltimore does. But you can work some things in there, and uh, you have to have a happy medium. But, yeah, there's going to be more cover, too, than you saw in Detroit because Detroit uh, didn't have the ability to get the football down the field. So the Eagles felt comfortable to get out of those looks. You can't feel comfortable to get out of those looks against the Chargers. John, was
0: the um,
1: change in the scheme for the
0: Detroit game a preconceived change going into the game, meaning the preconceived uh, scheme going into this game is going to be X. it's not going to be why which we had a week ago if
1: that makes sense no yeah it was preconceived. they knew uh, look Detroit had two players basically offensively TJ Hawkinson the tight end and uh DeAndre Swift the running back um their receivers were Khalif Raymond and a rookie fourth round pick Amon uh uh St. Brown Amon Ross St. Brown um this week, it's Keenan Allen, it's Mike Williams, it's Jared Cook, it's Austin Ekeler. Um, it's a lot different. Um, the, the Chargers can attack you at every level uh, successfully, and that's why you have to be a little bit more concerned. Um, now, the right side of their offensive line is not great if I'm the Eagles, if I'm JG, I'm going to look at that and say, all right, you know, what can we do to generate pressure off that right side and try to get, uh, Justin Herbert hurried up a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and they're, you know, if you look at the Chargers games, they've had games where they've scored 20 points, 17 points, um, and that Baltimore game was the low watermark. They got beat 34 to six. So teams have stopped them. Um, you know, they have other games where their they're high watermark is 47. You have a 30, 28, 24. So, you know, you got to find a way to keep them near 20 to 23 points if that's possible. And then I think you'd have a chance to win the game. Well,
0: If you go back and watch the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles address the team in the locker room in Detroit after that win, I think this coaching staff feels really good uh, about themselves, about the win, and about going into the game on Sunday. And if they're feeling good... That will help me feel good because I want them to win the damn game on Sunday and and, and get pickup win number four, especially after I watched the Giants last night. Hey, that last spot is in reach, Johnny (laughs) Mack.
1: Yes, it is. Carolina is the seventh playoff team as we speak. They are four and four, so – uh, the Eagles are a game behind now. They lost. Uh, they actually beat Carolina as well, so they have the tiebreaker. Now there's other teams, San Francisco. They lost to, um, so you have to worry about. But you know, I don't want to go all Jim Moore and start talking Jim Moore and start talking playoffs just yet. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I mean, the lines are zero and eight for a reason, right? Uh, I get it. That, as I said, the Eagles deserve credit for taking care of business on a business trip. They deserve credit for that. But if you use Jalen Hurts' never get too high, never get too low, you got you to add the context into it and say it's not a very good football team. The Chargers are not a great football team. They're beatable, but they're a good football team. And it's not going to be as easy. Let's put it that way.
0: You know, Johnny Mack, as we come to an end on football 24 uh, 7 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, uh, we did get a reminder uh, today from the Henry Ruggs situation that occurred uh, in Las Vegas. You feel for the family uh, of the individual. I don't know a lot about the story, um, but you do. We did get a reminder that athletes are people who play games for a living. You know, the people are important and so are their actions. The games ultimately or are, are, are not. Sad, sad story out of Las Vegas today.
1: Yeah, really sad story when you talk about, uh, obviously, someone losing their life and that's the more important part. You see somebody uh, who has all the means in the world, um, you know, to get a ride, uh, to call an Uber, to call a Lyft, uh, even if he didn't have the NFLPA's ability to, to call a ride at any time. It's unfortunate. Uh, happened to Dante Stallworth. But now, you know, we're talking about Henry Ruggs, who's a really close friend of Devontae Smith, and they were uh, roommates at uh, Alabama together. Uh, you probably saw how excited they were to see each other. Some of the video of that before the the game when the Eagles visited the Raiders. It's Just a sad situation all around. But you have to think of the victim first. And it's not about football anymore for right. Henry Ruggs. Yeah. Um, he, he's in some serious trouble, obviously.
0: Yep, no doubt about that. Football 24-7 with NFL insider John McMullen. Back tomorrow with Krause, who takes over the head controls of Birds 365. Is that what we're doing? John, we're going rocket fire with the great talent that makes up the Jacob Media Network. Krause will be in the chair. We'll kick off Birds 365 tomorrow tomorrow. Uh, with you, Derek Gunn will join. Mark Farzetta will join. Barrett Brooks will join. Wow. Maybe, maybe another uh, special guest or two. Uh, it's an all-star
1: cast. That's better. I, nobody's going to want to see me, Krabson. I'll do my best to uphold the
0: standards of Jody Mack uh, and Johnny Mack. And I'll do that by continuing to, re- um, uh, to realize that I'll let the football experts tell me about football. Great great stuff. Uh, Johnny Mack, thanks so much for joining us here on Football 24-7. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We're all presented by Stateside Vodka. Uh, Talk to you tomorrow, Johnny Mack. Great stuff today, brother.